0: Welcome to this episode of the Cloud Sourcing Storytelling Podcast. Host Julian Mitchell will be connecting you with guests from a wide range of different media genres and platforms. On today's episode, the panel discussed the tech empowering high end sports and esports. Guests include co founder of Beyond Sports, Nicholas Westerhoff, editor of Esports Insider, Tom Daniels, and head of broadcast engineering at Hawkeye Innovations, Steve Hardington. Welcome to the Cloud Sourcing Storytelling Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Cloud Sourcing Storytelling. Um, This time we're looking at the cloud in eSports and high-end sports. Um, And we have some great guests with us today. We have Tom Daniels from eSports Insider. We've got Steve Hardingson from Orkai Innovations and Nicholas Westerhoff from Beyond Sports. Um, now, Steve, can I come to you first? Only because Hawkeye is is something that is very well known in sports, and your company is starting to look at um, a similar technology in the cloud, but you're, you're in the process of getting there at the moment. What? What's the, what's, what have you got right now and what's, what's hopefully coming up to offer yeah, sure. the sports so, fan?
0: So people familiar with Hawkeye will, will know us from, from the cricket and from the tennis and more recently the football. Um, and we've done a lot of work generally in those sports with, uh, tracking both, both players and bulls and then displaying that in a kind of visual representation, um, on TV to kind of uh, show the world, you know, make, make officiating decisions, but also show to the world why those officiating decisions have been made. Um, of the biggest product that we got more recently in that series would be the VAR software in football, which is, you know, taking lots of video cameras from, you know, a sports stadium in football, or well, it could be out of sport, but it's mostly being in football. Um, and there's been a movement over the last few years, you know, a lot of people want to reduce the footprint on site of a lot of these operations, and a lot of sports federations want to um, have a lot of their content in the cloud for production purposes. So we've been looking at making use of video feeds already in the cloud and then kind of essentially recreating our, our VAR and video review systems, but with a with a cloud native architecture. Um, and that's been kind of ongoing over the last year or so. We've just launched a, a player safety product um, with the NHL that makes use of a lot of this technology so that the the staff at the NHL can be uh, checking for player injuries and particularly concussions um, and that is all just using um, part that they've already got so there's no additional footprint for us on site which is obviously done, um, a lot better for us and a lot better for the NHL um, and this is a journey that is yeah, we're really at the start of this journey. This is a little bit of a, of a waypoint for us this launch of the first product, and kind of the sky's the limit really there, if you excuse the punt. Um Yeah, we, we want to be able to do all of our, all our tracking software that we've got, some of the more complex stuff that we're doing where we're tracking kind of all the players' limbs uh, for offside and various of our other kind of more complicated systems. Um, in a of of time, we kind of want all of that to be available to our customers from the cloud, rather than putting a lot of people and equipment all around the world to kind of staff these games.
1: I mean, I can kind of think about the answer to this question, but a VAR, uh, obviously a time element is probably the most important thing um, with that. Is that one of the biggest um, things that you're, you're thinking about or how to, how to deliver that as it is now or even better?
0: Yeah, I mean that certainly is a is a big part of the VAR system. Um, although it's maybe maybe focused on too much at times because we don't want people to be solely focused on making decisions as fast as they can. As you know, recent events have shown, we need to make sure that those decisions are the correct decisions and not just the fastest that they can make them. Um, obviously, moving stuff onto the cloud does add an element of latency. You've got to get the video up there, and that can, depending on how you do that, can Add a few seconds of latency, um, but in the scheme of things, if you're taking thirty seconds to to a minute to make some of these decisions, probably the extra couple of seconds there is is not going to be significant. The most important thing to get right is the cons between all the people involved, make them a decision, and that that shouldn't really be any any more difficult or or on the cloud. It's just about establishing those clear clear lines of communication between the right people, and so that everyone knows what the what system is for all the these for peace. Yeah. So for us, it's, it's mostly a, about our, our footprint on site and the, the amount we spend, both from a financial spend, but also looking at the environment and our carbon footprint on, on sending, you know, all this equipment and our stuff around the world. If there's a, yeah, if you look at some of our, our big operations and in the Gulf, for example, we done a lot of stuff with the PTA tour. If you go to a golf event and you've got, it could be adding you up to about 150 cameras for a single golf event. It's obviously quite a sprawling, um, location. If you have to have servers on site to capture all of those and then to play it all back that as a lot of equipment to ship around, um, we had a, we had a solution for the golf, um, a couple of years ago, that was our, our very first foray into the cloud. Um, where well, we were kind of operating for our, from our offices in Basin states, we had a, an army of operators sat downstairs in our office kind of using the front end that was all in the cloud that so we had about 40 people in total. And if we'd done that as a, in a conventional way, we would have flown all 40 of those people, pretty UK to the States. They all would have had to have yeah, had flights and hotels and space on site and that's the yeah, hard to come by it's expensive and it's not exactly great for the environment so it's a, it's a big step in, in all of those ways for us really to, to improve the service we offer
1: sure okay um, Tom um, you come from the B2B um, side of things um, this, do you recognise this argument for moving to a cloud for, for companies like Hawkeye I mean are you seeing a lot of that in the companies that you, you know
2: There we go. Right. I definitely think so, honestly. Um, I think just from from looking at businesses, particularly like we do with a lot of like gaming and, and esports businesses in our coverage, um, the need to have great content delivered to you um with ease of accessibility and through use of collaboration for people who are all over the world is crucial. I think like you look at like what happened with the pandemic, for example, work from home culture, I think was a big spark in change of how these companies, you know, essentially are like, well, how do we all work together and create content for whether it be for delivery of a service for a tournament or whether it be um, overlaying or production, how can we bring all these people together while they're working from home? And I think that's when a lot of the use of, well, how could we use the cloud effectively, you know? I think people then started realizing there were problems with it and how do you solve it? And I think that really did change quite a lot. Um like I work from home, I collaborate with all of my you know, writers and through content and stuff and that's so like such a basic use of the cloud, but that in itself is one thing that many other industries are using and taking even further and further. Yeah,
1: and obviously you see investment from companies going into the cloud for a multitude of reasons as, as, as we've seen. Um, and do, and the Hawkeye example, how can you see that being a, a, a good thing? I mean, if it all works the same as it does now.
2: Uh, for me uh, personally, I think it will be. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think there are, there are obviously, I think, uh, Steve, I, I'd like to know your thoughts on this actually is like, sometimes it is good to be in the space in which you need to be in and work in that environment and and i think there's always going to be a need for that right but is there a need for everybody to be there i i don't think so and i I do think it is finding that balance of making sure you're still uh, seeing all the action that is happening whilst also working away from the action right
0: yeah i mean just a little bit kind of case by case i think what makes sense you've got some scenarios, like in in the tennis, where we um, we have our ball live system, which kind of means we don't need any line judges at all um, in the tennis, and that means they have to play they play a sound out over the stadium pi pa that is essentially just the sound of, it, of an umpire shouting out as it as it used to be. Obviously, that has to come out incredibly quickly because it needs to be yeah to simulate as if there were line judges present. So, I think our our restriction there is that has to go to the speaker within a hundred milliseconds of the ball hitting the court. So it's, it's incredibly challenging to do that in the cloud because you've got to send stuff up to the cloud, you've got to send stuff back and a hundred milliseconds gets eaten up very quickly. Um, the, the scenario of the football that I talked about before, you know, they the the football authorities are very keen to get the referees out of the stadium because stadium, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a crazy environment. You've got fans sort of screaming left, right and center and they like to put the VAR officials in their sort of the oasis of calm in their little relate centres where they do the officiating from, and I think a, a lot of officiating in different sports wants to kind of recreate that calm environment because, yeah, yeah, the the guy that's looking at the monitor in the stadium is generally getting shouted at by a few hundred people nearby so that are all very, um, yeah, they're, they're not a partial observer so, yeah, it's, it's important to get that calm for the, um, video officials.
1: Okay, all right, can we bring Nicholas in um, beyond sports? can
3: you explain to us what your company does? Yeah, yeah, sure. So for people who don't know us, we take uh, positional tracking data from real sports matches uh, from Hawkeye, for example, uh, the the positional limb tracking that Steve was talking about just now, uh, and we turn that into a 3D simulation so a virtual recreation of that same game. We can do that live in real time. Uh, and we can do it in many different forms. So the, the obvious example is to have sort of a, a almost EA Sports like virtual recreation, where you can place a camera inside the head of a player um, and for, for the first time see what a player was seeing when he was on the pitch. You can just have for replays for video analysis for coaches for players. Um, but it becomes a lot more fun uh, if you don't do realistic characters like EA Sports is doing, but, Um, completely different characters Uh, we can do lego characters we can do uh, our own blocky characters uh, or the most recent example we had with uh, with pixar espn the nfl was the toy story fun day Uh, the london games the london nfl games were broadcast uh, live in alternative broadcast uh, where the kids watching this broadcast did not see the actual game they saw well they did see the actual players they saw the actual game being played out by toys in andy's room from toy story and yeah <laughs> and we've just seen that and i have to say it was
1: remarkable uh, is there a way that you will be able to choose um you, a lot not in andy's room but you can choose out of a, a list of toys if you like to do that
3: Yes, definitely so we can already do that on our side so the broadcast um right now we chose to go for for just one character across the, the board but for us if you've seen our previous alternative broadcast with the NHL for example with Big City Greens another IP from Disney um there we actually had Big City Greens characters already skating in place of the uh, actual players uh, so they become sort of the hero characters and the The reason for us to do this alternative broadcast is to get younger viewers in, to engage a younger audience. And uh, to do that, we not only show the game, not only show the game in a different way, but also build a story around the game that is interesting for these young fans or young future fans to watch. So, the, so to your point of including different characters uh, there, one of the reasons, one of the ways we did this for Big the Greens was have the actual voice actors of the Big the Greens show on during the live broadcast and whenever uh one of their characters came onto the ice then we switched to like a live interview between the commentators and the voice actors uh, so cricket one of the main characters uh, actually one of my favorite moments from from that show uh had an assist during like his interview uh so the commentators were, oh Cricket, you just had an assist how crazy is that and cricket was like oh yeah i saw him sitting there i thought i just passing the ball and like, he scored like it was very cool about it um, and for kids again that's that's what really drives engagement for them it's not necessarily just watching the sport it's about the whole story and the whole experience around it
1: yeah i mean it's amazing and i suppose if you think about the way that will grow it should be pretty big i mean from the kids point of view and maybe you know adults as well you, don't, you never know
3: and um That doesn't involve the cloud, does it, in any way? It does because, um, well, so the production was still done from the ESPN studios in uh, in Bristol, Connecticut. Um, But our simulations are all based on the tracking data. And we need a lot of data processing, live data processing, in order to get the data to a state where we can then visualize it in a 3D world. So basically half of our company at Beyond Sports is doing that data processing uh, and the other half is doing the visualization and the broadcast side of things. Both are very much equally uh, as important and when we look at the cloud, that whole data processing piece, that's definitely where the cloud uh, uh, really gets to shine for us. And are there any sports that you can't do? Uh-huh. Well, we we clearly do a lot of sports. We tend to focus mostly on like tactical field games, as we call them. Uh, hockey is not really a field, but like uh like like hockey basketball uh football american football uh, cricket those type of uh, those type of sports uh we could potentially also do you know olympics and uh, more individual based sports um but for us the focus is definitely a team tactical sports
1: and um steve i mean that kind of use of your tracking data how much do you know i know you're both part of sony is that right so how much do you know about Beyond Sports and what they're doing?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's been great sort of being working alongside them in the last year or so, as Nico said, since they um came into the the Sadie fold. Um and yeah, it's it's amazing being yeah, knowing that the tracking data can be used to generate such just, just cool visuals, um, sort of stuff that's come out in hockey in and the and the Toy Story show in particular was was amazing. Um I guess that. I'll be keen to ask you, Nico, actually, if you've got um, any kind of feedback yeah, obviously the dust to say a bit from the last the two weeks ago, I think, that it. Aired. Um, you know, you got much feedback from sort of the, the broadcasters and the and the people involved in terms of how much interaction it was, particularly, you know, the main games sort obviously of, engaging kids in sport. Have we got any feedback on kind of how how that went?
3: It's a very good question. We cannot disclose that yet, unfortunately uh but the numbers were very very good um yeah again i don't know what I can disclose, but it was um above uh, definitely our own expectations and i think above anyone's expectations yeah
0: sure i mean i i showed it to to several people and like yeah you know, a lot of people in hawkeye and i showed it to my kids and they thought like, it was was amazing yeah and, you know, what what kid doesn't love toy story really um, yeah so yeah it's, yeah to it's,
1: be live in real time i mean that to me, is I mean, the time thing is obviously sport in sports very important <laughs> to have that available
3: is is the is the real kicker, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and that's that's why the data processing uh, again in the cloud is so important for us uh, because that really is what uh, makes it possible to do this slide Tom, what do you think of when you saw that?
2: Yeah, I, I was just gonna I was just gonna mention actually. Like, I think it's it's fascinating how. It, cause it isn't gaming but you could look at it and think that it's gaming to a younger audience and I think yeah. that's that's really powerful especially in today's culture like you know even like 10 20 years ago gaming culture was still big but now you see uh, you're brought up on gaming from such a young age that actually bringing new fans of traditional sport uh, into traditional sports sorry by saying hey look at this thing that's very similar or do you like the tactical analysis that's happening in this game or actually, it's happening in real life as well it, it builds that bridge and it's actually i think a really good thing for families and you know i can imagine like uh, a father coming down and telling the, the the son or the daughter come on watch this nfl game and the son and daughter being like oh, i'm not sure i want to play Fortnite." and it's like well actually it's these Fortnite characters playing nfl yeah you know it might actually drag people in and stuff like that and i think um like you said talking about like the the cloud and bringing it all back it's like the ability to actually you know, innovate and, and create new innovations through this fact that you can you can develop these ideas is is awesome through that. So uh, I, I think traditional sports has been trying to tap into this gaming audience, I think, for a while now, especially considering it's continually to rise and continue to rise. One aspect is through esports, through developing their own esports divisions and going into competitive titles and trying to drag them in. Man City's like one notable one. But another one is also taking literal elements from games themselves and, and bringing it into broadcast and into production i think it's awesome
0: and it's it's worth touching on you know one of the things that the cloud will allow us to do in this space yeah you know, if we if we want to turn up to a to a football match and yeah all I can can do the tracking and be on sports can do some visualization we can put some servers on a on a rack somewhere at the, at the ground or we can send that to a broadcaster and yeah, that's all, all great but if we wanted to generate 200 different visualizations of the same tracking data yeah, you know, with completely different characters for different regions or you know, even the sort of ultimate would be yeah, you, know, you choose at home and you get a different you know literally a bespoke animation sort of per person you can only do that by having many more servers doing the visualization and you either do that by putting a thousand servers in a Ravka stadium which I think is is obviously not a solution or you do it by scaling in the cloud, which yeah, yeah. Is, is work, but it's still yeah, and you can generate something genuinely very powerful there.
1: Yeah, you can
3: then choose your character, I suppose, in a, in a personalized way. We even experimented with putting yourself uh, in the game. So a, <laughs> a, um, a fan would take a selfie. We would create a 3D avatar uh, and this, uh, this fan would be able to place himself in place of his favorite player and then create clips out of those and say look i scored the winning goal and they share that loads of friends so that's already that's already very much in play okay
1: and and tom um you wanted to talk about production um aws production and that kind of thing what's what what's your what's your what's your idea there how's that how's that maturing
2: yeah so probably the biggest thing in the the esports industry um which is, for people who are unaware. aware, I, I, I talk a lot about the eSports industry, but maybe not everybody's completely aware, it is competitive video gaming, so uh, think of like EA Sports FC, like a competitive ecosystem around that. Uh, more notably, like League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Dota, etc., uh, etc., et big titles. But all of these are, in, are inherently digital and virtual in nature, and, and are played in a virtual world. However, there are real-life players all over the place, and... When these players all then come together into like massive LAN events, it's all about the production side and, and how can kind of tournament operators and game developers who are a lot of these run tournament operators, uh, tournaments, how they can kind of operate them to a uh, generation of esports and gaming fans which kind of want unique views, they want statistical analysis, they know uh, although these are brought up on kind of these things inherently through those games. And so Riot Games, which is the uh, the developer of League of Legends, Valorant and a lot of other esports games, the, the head honcho essentially of esports right now, uh, have partnered with Amazon Web Services to basically try and provide cloud-first production studios all around the world. So they've got one in Dublin, I think they've got one in Sydney, and I, and I know that they already have like headquarters in Los Angeles and, and um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason for that is so they can have basically 24-hour content and production throughout all of the global leagues, because they have leagues running in China, Korea, Europe and America. So that requires a lot of work, and so what they use is they have these cloud uh, like studios, essentially, which all connect together, work in the cloud together to make sure that stats are you know delivered live in real time, you know that they use obviously Amazon Web Services to get those stats as well and to make sure that production is done correctly, that actually, uh, right now, there's a World Championships in League of Legends. Uh, while it's being placed in Korea, they have broadcasting, and all their broadcasting talent is straight away in Dublin. Just recording through that, again, it saves time. It saves them having to fly all of their production staff into into Korea. It's all being placed in one area, in one collaborative place, with all the production and all their casters, uh, which are commentators. Uh, I think it's it's the next kind of route that esports is taking and it's trying to use the fact that a lot of these people are tech savvy and are virtually savvy already and kind of bringing it into the production side of things because people are used to working kind of from home a little bit in esports and kind of developing things themselves and so pushing that into the production I think is that next step and we're already seeing it in traditional sports a lot as well I know that There's a a company called uh, Ross Video, and I know there's many others which do this, but they have a lot of like work-from-home solutions for traditional sports broadcasts. They've recently come into eSports and and whatnot. So um, I think it's going to be definitely fascinating to see how production continues because right now there still is... You can tell sometimes when something is remote broadcast and when something is like a remote, remote production, as the cloud develops and more solutions are being used to you know to go onto the cloud and production technologies increase we might not be able to see that we might actually just not know if this entire broadcast is going to be done halfway around the world or not and i think that's where the really interesting thing is and that doesn't just apply to esports it applies to traditional sports as well yeah is that steve is that your experience
0: yeah. I mean, the technology has improved a lot in the last few years that kind of echo some of what you said there in terms of like, in the past there's definitely been some production, productions that the scenes you see it, you like that, that they're, they're not there. It's yeah, it's obvious, particularly some of the studio scenes and like, I think BT sport in particular have, have been huge on like production, um, in the football in the last few years that have spent, spent a lot of time and money on getting from what I can tell a, a very slick and well-running setup that um, it is, it's definitely going more in that direction. We have a, we worked a lot with replay operators of all guy. um, it's one of the products that we sell as a, a sort of broadcast replay solution. Um, a lot of them loved it, to be honest, during the pandemic, they were sat at home, you know, just working, working the NebJar was on the side for having a, having a great time. Um, and a lot of them, I don't think, want to go back to the endless travel and go to all these events and, you know. So long as you can sort out the latency of, of the control and the output, you can kind of do most of these things um, just as effectively.
1: And Nico, wrapping up, um, where does Beyond Sports go from here? I mean, you're obviously quite um, early on in the start of your journey
3: and you, you, you've told us what is possible. Take us a few years beyond that. Yeah, so definitely more alternative broadcasts coming up like this. Uh, with different rights holders with different leagues, with different i p holders as well. Um, but like we touched on earlier, um we definitely want to make the step, the final step to go direct to the consumer as well. Of course, it needs to be done with the rights holders, not like we can just go direct to the consumer. but from a tech point of view, uh, from a from a content point of view, uh, everything we talked about, you know the interactivity, the personalization of these broadcasts. Um that's definitely something that we want to that we want to shape in the future and instead of everyone watching the same thing, um people would just be watching their own thing, still the same game, but personalized for their own to their own likeness great, okay, well, thanks very much all of you for for helping
1: us out with this I it's fascinating and uh and we'll wrap it up there. Thanks again. <laughs>